What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the district. I don't know if you guys ever been to those uh, those big aquariums where you kind of walk through. There's a tunnel, and you see fish or shark through the tanks, and you observe the power that a shark has when it swims in the water. And last Friday, I had the pleasure of co-hosting a draft, a shark-infested draft. And tonight we have three of these sharks. I mean, I say it the last three weeks, guys, this is shark week, but these guys are really whales when it comes to fantasy. And tonight we're going to dive deep into the latest high stakes 500K FFPC FPC draft. Let's do it. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. Trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This is my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's a... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Guys, welcome back to part three of Shark Week. I mean, come on. Has anyone had bigger names on the show in the last seven days? I could go eat seven weeks, seven months. I don't know. You tell me. Back-to-back FFPC, FPC champ, Mr. Abib. That guy was as slick and cool as a cucumber. I don't know if that's a thing, Dan, but I just made it up if it wasn't. It is now. <laughs> but guys, <laughs> that's a thing now, and then we had Dwayne come on. And like I said, Theo's been like the shark hunter with these guests that he's been bringing on. He might get me divorced with the amount of guests that he's got lined up for this show. So if you haven't done it yet, smash the subscribe, smash the like button. You guys have been awesome, by the way, with that. So we appreciate you guys tuning in live. We appreciate the likes, the questions. Drop any cues you have in the chat, and we'll throw that on the screen and answer it when we can on the show. Guys. How are you today? Another big show tonight, Dan. How pumped are you? Oh, definitely, man. This is a this is going to be a fun one. Uh, we get to we get to talk about a, a actual draft, a fun draft that uh, a lot of heavy hitters were in, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna deconstruct it and see if we can uh, make a few of them mad. Yeah, Theo, man. Just uh, again tonight, another heavy hitter. Um, how excited are you? And how fun was that draft on Friday? Oh, that, that draft was an absolute blast. Um, you know, there's there was no holes in the draft. There wasn't. There was some very very uh, interesting team builds, some incredibly sharp drafters, um, and we have a, a very sharp drafter coming on the show tonight. So I, I'm uh, I'm very excited. Shark Week has been incredible, and uh, Part Three is just going to rock tonight. 
Yeah, man. I mean, tonight, uh, we, you know, what are the, what's the saying? Uh, uh, wow. I butchered it. Whatever that saying was, I officially butchered it. Guys, let's just bring in our guests, man. Let's bring in the shark, the third <laughs> shark for Shark Week. How's it going, Billy? Welcome to the Goat District, brother. Thanks for having me on, guys. I've been looking forward to this all week. Yeah, us too, man. Billy might have the best background so far in the game. I, yes. I, I'm going to put it out there. I'll, I'll put you and Davis, uh, Davis Maddock, but even him, when I found out it was a green screen, I was, I was kind of disappointed. It was like finding out Santa Claus didn't exist, you know? So oh, I, yeah, I, that don't, it doesn't count then. doesn't count, right? So you right now, you got the <laughs> title, man. Thanks for coming on, brother. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. So go, guys, if you if you aren't following uh, Billy, he's at FF Muzio on the Twitter machine. And I mean, if you ha- if you're not, you're missing out, guys. He's co-host of FF Analyst uh, and YouTube manager for Fantasy Data. Guys, we actually have their channel posted on our YouTube channel. That's how much we like their material. It's the only other channel we have posted on there. So go on there. So you can subscribe through our show. And again, follow Billy on the Twitter machine. Billy, why don't you tell us a bit about what you do over at, um, at Fantasy Data and anything else you got going on that you want to talk about? Yeah, it started it started off as um, them having me come on as, as kind of the high stakes analyst to uh, write about FFPC and to uh, discuss drafts and discuss strategies for FFPC uh, and best ball and, and a lot of other uh, platforms as well. Um, it got to the point where we just started doing more shows. And as we get into the season, we're going to be recording twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. And um, I've kind of put writing on the back burner as we're in, for me, the middle of draft season already. Um, I start drafting in March, May, all the way through. It doesn't matter. It's like as soon as it, as soon as Super Bowl ends, I start drafting and I start taking a look at ADPs and, and kind of seeing where players fall. And, and so I'm not writing as much at, or if any at all right now, I'm primarily just doing YouTube uh, and podcasting for uh, fantasy data. Nice. Yeah. I, I really like what you guys are doing over there. Um, Theo, new mic. How's that working out, brother? <laughs> Not so well, JD. We had, uh, we had some technical difficulties. Uh, you look so show, serious. So. You look so serious. I had to, like, uh, you know, kind of break the edge there. No, man. Theo's got a new mic. So, so we, we apologize for being a little late tonight, but uh, no no issues, man. It's all good. We're, uh, we appreciate your patience. But, um, Billy, just tell us tell us a bit more about your, your, your big player uh, when it comes to fantasy. Give us a, a little history, like how you got into fantasy football even, and then kind of where you're at uh, in, in your portfolio, as, as some like to call it these days. Yeah, I started fantasy football about 2003, 2004, back when like Yahoo was the main platform. And um, just kind of dominated you know, high school leagues and then into college and offline drafts. And, and then um, from there, I just fell in love with it. I really wasn't serious about it until probably about four years ago. Uh, I was always in like maybe a handful of leagues, you know, a dozen or so. And um, at that point, I decided to really play seriously. I, I, I started playing on the FFPC and, and the first year was primarily Dynasty. Um, and then I did some FBGs and a couple main events and um, did all right. That didn't do great. I, I, there was about, you know, maybe a 55% win rate, which is not fantastic. And then from there... Um, it got, got better year after year as I learned the format more. And that's what I always preach is learning the format you're playing on and, and learning the rules and making sure you fully understand them. And um, 
you know, last year I, I, I did quite a few more on FFPC. And um, if I recall doing the math right, I think it was like a 62.8% win rate last year, um, which, which was pretty successful, uh, which set me up for this year to kind of mass entry on best ball and, and to do, you know, the high society league this year as well on FFPC. And then also to hammer out a few FBGs and a few main events. That's why he's on Shark Week, guys. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's the that's the, res- that's the resume right there. You know what I mean? And 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 I know this time of year, you're either thinking about your bigger buy-in drafts and starting to schedule them, or you've already dived in, or you've got one scheduled. So again, if you haven't checked out the last two show guys, go check them out and make sure you tune in tonight and watch the rest of this one. Dan, I'm going to go to you. Uh, get, give the background on on this specific draft, the leagues, the players, anything you want to add, you and Theo uh, were actual players. I was kind of uh, asked to be a, a co-host with Todd, which was awesome because, like I said, I got to observe you sharks in the tank. But talk to us about this uh, this specific draft, Dan. Yeah, so this draft has been going for three years now, um, and it actually all started out as, believe it or not, I know nobody can believe that anything would start from a Twitter argument and anything did not come from it, but uh, that's exactly what it was. Uh, we got, you know, several of the people who were in the league kind of got into a big discussion about, uh, you know, where was the appropriate place to draft? I believe it was uh, uh, Josh Jacobs. And so we were just, you know, going back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, there was, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, whip it out and measure it stuff going on. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of kept going and kept going. And finally somebody said, you know what, let's just have a week. Let's, let's everybody in this thread get in. Uh, we're just gonna, we're gonna see who's the best. And, uh, so that's basically where it started from. And, uh, so pretty quickly it, it, it kind of became a league that, a bunch of the real heavy hitters wanted to jump into just because it was a chance to, you know, kind of prove themselves against each other uh, in a little bit more of a public forum. So that that's where it started from. Uh, we all quickly started laughing and joking about how the fact that there was no way that the uh, the overall winner of the football guys championship was ever coming from this coming league. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so here. You're you're basically you know. Well, you you said that to me the first. I think like a couple whenever the first one was like you said that to me, and at first it didn't click, and then I realized, oh, okay, like yeah, okay. So I probably yeah. don't want to be in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, this is this is like the most negative UV league that you could ever be. <laughs> it's an ego. It's an ego thing, man. It's yeah, like, that's that's like where this. all the value is. Like this, Dan. It's like this. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> A little bit of that going on you know what i'm saying right well i don't know yeah. about you guys but like for me like sometimes like losing losing home leagues is it hurts more than losing like a main event league oh, yeah. it's like it, it's the pride it hurts yep. more than, 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 the, than the massive buy-in it's like i would sometimes rather win the home league just so i can say they didn't beat me and <laughs> then than, than win it all <laughs> right and, and when you become known for winning big leagues then all of a sudden everybody in the home league wants to rub exactly. it in even that much more <laughs> Yeah, exactly. you, yeah, you think you're such hot stuff while well, you finish fourth, you know, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the fighters that go training, right? And they're they're sparring with some guy that just decides, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out GSP today and just take a swing at him while he's <laughs> Yep, exactly. So anyway, um, yeah, we 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 formed up the first one and uh we all had a good time with it. Um and then uh, you know, so we we all came back around for uh, 
the second try uh, last year. And uh, this year, there was just no question that it was going to continue as a, a third league. We've had to replace a couple members along the way. So we welcome in uh, uh, Billy and, and Theo both this year uh, as first-time participants. But they're definitely very much worthy uh, of being in the league. And, uh, you know, they, they fit in. They slide in just really nicely, uh, you know, as far as personalities and uh, talent and everything else. So uh, we're we, we had a great time uh, drafting the league. If you haven't uh, heard the podcast of when the league draft was going on, uh, uh, Todd Burroughs. Um, I just retweeted it. I just retweeted you? it. You can get okay. the YouTube. Uh, if you go to at Go District, the YouTube link is on there. There you go. So, yeah, do that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great podcast. It's a, I, I think there's a lot of nice little tidbits that got dropped along the way, um, along with uh, you can find out what, it is to be scoundrel, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm just going to tease with that. I'm not going to say any more. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's a it's a fun league, and it's one of those leagues that uh, you know I I know um, you know like uh, you know uh, I think Theo, you have a, a tweet from John Daigle that was you know said, hey, this is the the league I really look forward to watching every year because I get to see. You know, it, you know, this is the league that kind of really almost to me determines ADP and where it's wrong and, uh, you know, what high stakes players are really thinking about it. So I don't yeah, I mean, I don't want to have too much ego. I mean, none of us have crystal balls, but uh, we all we all certainly aren't afraid to get out there and, uh, you know, reach for the players that we think we need to reach for rather than let them fall to somebody else's team. So uh, people are definitely shooting their shots in this league. Yeah, it's a great draft. I mean, it was it was an honor to uh, to be in it um, with you guys, and it's just there's so much success across the board. Um, everybody knows uh, Abib Ag- Agbatoba, how successful he's been the last two years. We have Dave Hubbard, um, you know, a former main event champion. Um, Austin Martin, one of the better players at PC. I mean, you go down the list. Um, you know, Todd's a fantastic player. Dan's a fantastic player. Billy's a fantastic player, and it's just it's it's player after player that's able to not only extract value from the pick they're on, but I think what separates this draft from others is people have kind of an end game in mind and a team building um, skills where, you know, a lot of times you get in drafts and, and maybe a guy makes a great pick here and there, but the, these guys are, are just very sharp in the, in the way that they build teams. And it makes it very difficult to, uh, to, it makes it, difficult to put together a good team yourself and to um to really steal any value in a draft like this it, it, it's like combining the daytona 500 with a demolition derby <laughs> so it's <laughs> a good analogy you know because there 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 is more than just swapping paint i mean you know if you see a way that you can uh you know advance your own cause and uh screw up somebody else uh, that's definitely a pick that's going to get made in this draft uh, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of people who are, uh, just going out there, you know, wrecking a team, you know, and, and not paying attention to what they're doing on their own team. Uh, you know, so if somebody wrecks your team, it, it was because that pick served their purpose as well. But, uh, you know, everybody's aware of kind of what other people are doing and, and, uh, you know, they get out there and, and, uh, try to mess with it where they can without hurting themselves. Yeah, if they can build a good roster and destroy your team and your ego at the same time, they're going to do it. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and and just to <laughs> piggyback on what Theo was saying, it's one of these where roster construction is is the most evident thing to me, and that's what I noticed the most that night is. Even if someone makes a pick that you question, you look at their roster and what they do the rest of the way, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense now, or it fits, you know. And and that's we always talk about it on on the show is the the story you're telling when you're building one of these rosters, whether it's best ball or redraft. And I think this was perfect example. We'll put the the draft on the screen. We've got a, some uh, questions coming in from the chat here. <laughs> right. And then, uh, so so we'll get some questions going about the yes. specifics. Um, we've got a, a question from Johnny Guerrero, which we'll get to. But uh, as as our guest, Billy, why don't you give us like going into a draft like this, where you, you know, and our guests can have similar situations where they're signing up for this tournament. Let's face it, they're not easy leagues that you're that you're joining. When you're comparing it to like your home leagues and Yahoo's and stuff, right? So what, what is your approach when you're coming into this draft? Is it any different than another draft or is it similar to your usual kind of approach when you're coming into these leagues? And you're talking in FBG in general or in specifically the hardway draft? So specifically the hardway draft. And then if it's different than your usual approach. Yes. Um, I, I think that you have to take a look at the board and see what's given to you. Um, I had known from seeing the boards before and also from hearing from players who played in this league before it's my first year on the hard way but had had known that running backs go early and often in this league so for me um i'm gonna zig when others zag i'm i am a value-based drafter is what i like to call myself i'm gonna uh, typically try to take the best player on the board according to my own projections um and i'm going to adjust as needed on the fly throughout the draft trying to construct the best roster that I can um, have the most highs or whatever it may be, whatever makes the most sense for my given roster while also taking into consideration um, my value-based drafting strategy. Um, I, of course, running backs went early and often, like I said, I mean, seven of the first eight picks were running backs. Uh, Travis Kelsey was, you know, the, the norm there. Um, Tyreek Hill, Hill fell to me um, at nine and that's kind of where he goes on average in these FBG drafts. So not a lot of value. And we talked about that earlier is just not a lot of value in this draft anywhere. I think for me, the largest value that I saw in this draft for me was Darren Waller. Uh, mm -hmm. me, it being, me being able to grab him in, in the turn around two mm -hmm. there at 2.04. I mean, I'm seeing him go as early as 1.06 in some of these drafts, 1.07. Um, never really outside, you know, the turn now. And uh, when I saw him there, I was really faced with a decision. I'm either going to go modified kind of zero RB build here, or I'm going to skip on him and I'm going to go with a Joe Mixon or a Clyde Edwards-Alaire to stack with my KC. And I was I was bouncing between CEH and, and Waller there and, and decided, hey, you know what? No, I'm going to continue with the value-based drafting and I'm going to see what I can get at running back later. So a lot different than my normal build. I usually like to leave the first three rounds with two solid running backs and, and then start building my wide receiver and my tight end core from there. I like what you did. As I said to you off air, you, you were one of my favorite rosters to see how you develop. Just uh, you really differentiated. I found in the first three rounds that Waller pick was key. Uh, the the only receiver in the first round, uh, obviously Kelsey, the other you know non running back at, goes to Dan. So we'll come back to your roster in a bit. I do like what you did, Theo. I'll go to you first. It's your first year. You know, similar question. What was your approach coming in? Was it any different than than because you've done a lot of drafts? You know, this off season, especially with these bigger buy-in leagues. 
what was your approach coming in and is it was it different than what you usually go in with so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of with uh with billy on that you know i I like running backs this year i have built some zero rb teams um kind of as the the value comes to me um but with the sixth pick i was i was really thinking it was gonna be a tyree kill for me um i had anticipated derrick henry going a little bit uh earlier and um i wasn't prepared to use the sixth pick on jonathan taylor um i have just a little bit concerns about receiving upside. Um, I don't like using six on him. Um, and Alvin Kamara, I have some reservations that it's going to take some hill. So I kind of honed in on going Tyreek Hill a little bit earlier than ADP and having what I consider to be the, the wide receiver one this year. Um, but when Derrick Henry fell to me, um, I grabbed him. I mean, I love getting Derrick Henry with the 106. I think it's great value. So, yeah, I'm – I kind of just pivoted and it, and it ended up working out pretty well in my favor. Um, and then I, I agree. I, I love where Billy got Darren Waller. I thought that was fantastic value. Um, but I was also happy to get uh, Aaron Jones, um, who I think will be a, a very high volume guy. I think he will set his career high in targets this year. Um, even if it's, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, I still like Aaron Jones where I got him. So I, I came away with a, you know, two, what I consider to be two running back ones in, in the first two rounds. So I was, I was happy with my build. Yeah, Dan, I think uh, that that five pick actually right after you, that Eckler pick is what pushed Henry to Theo. Comment on that. And then how do you feel? I, I, I know you're, you, you find comfort in, in getting Kelsey in the first round, right? Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I honestly didn't think that Kelsey would even drop to me. I figured Tom, uh, Todd would uh, just take him uh, at number three. And when he took uh, Zeke Elliott, that, of course, changed things up. So I I had to kind of quickly decide whether I wanted to pivot or if I wanted to stick with uh, who I had originally selected there. And that was uh, Austin Eckler was who I was thinking I was going to be wow. taking it for. So either way, I think uh, Henry was probably going to fall to Theo. Uh, so you know, it, but I knew when I would, I took Kelsey, I was going to be taking a chance on whether a running back would make it back to me. Uh, you know, cause I really felt my belt would probably be better if I had, you know, like, uh, Aaron Jones or CEH or somebody like that coming back. I ended up with, uh, Ridley though. So, you know, that was, I, I thought he would already be gone. So I was, I was happy with that, but I definitely did not expect to be starting off uh, tight end wide receiver and then start looking for running back. So I was uh, I was definitely scrambling off of my original plan and trying to put something together on the fly that uh, that I thought could work. But you know, when you got a chance to take Kelsey and you got a chance to take Ridley, I mean, it's it's pretty tough to pass on either one of those guys. Billy, sorry to cover your face. I'll take it off right away. But this question actually it is actually Johnny Guerrero must must have seen our show sheet, right? It, it's kind of like at the concert when you see the the playlist, the, the list that the, the band's going to play. So he's asking, uh, and I'll go to you, Billy, which player do you expect to be biggest risers in ADP through September? I mean, we were going to look, you know, now. So b- between now and September, I guess, would be uh, looking at rising ADP. The number one player is going to be Odell Beckham Jr. It's already happening. <clears throat> he was going in round nine in uh, April and May. He's already sneaking into round six. Uh, it was the backside. Now it's the middle of round six. I would not be surprised to see him going in round five uh, come September, uh, if not earlier, quite frankly. As we start seeing the masses join, they're going to go for household names, and they're going to start pushing ADP up 
it's one of the benefits of drafting early. If you know what you're doing, you can also hurt yourself. But I think that if if you have a pretty uh, a good understanding and knowledge of football and, and kind of can understand schemes and fits and, and how it's going to work, uh, there's a very good um, edge in drafting early. I mean, being able to get Odell Beckham Jr. at the middle to end of round nine was a smash play every single time for me. I own him like 33% of leagues right now. <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, before I, I'm going to pass this to Theo and then Dan, because I, I know they've got like some, some serious questions for you about this draft, but I, I find it's similar with dynasty. I know we're talking redraft tonight, but I feel, I feel like a lot. And Dan, we talk about this on the show. There is guys we talked about in March and April that we were telling you to go buy. And now it's like it's it doesn't make sense to go buy them. So I find it's similar, right? The, those values that you were finding in March, they're not there anymore. So it's same way. It, that's why you got to stay with the show, man. Smash the subscribe, smash the like, because guys, seriously, we're giving you guys actual plays to go out there and get before the rest of the herd. And and I'm not calling anyone out or anything. I'm just saying I listen to some shows and it's like they're talking about guys and I'm thinking that was like three, four months ago, man. That's not now. You're not buying that guy now. His price is way too high. So I think it's the same here, guys. So pay attention to whether it's you're looking at the board or one of these three drafters and the guys that they're highlighting, you know, whether it's value in this draft or value that you can find in your own drafts. Theo, I'll go to you first, man. What's uh, what's a question you got for Billy? Um, I, he touched on it um with your your so your preferred build seems to be walking away with two running backs in, in the first three rounds um when are you attacking the high volume wide receivers i mean i know in, in this draft you went with tyree kill in the first round do you kind of just grab them as as the value presents itself or is there a specific pocket where you're you really know you're going to attack wide, wide so I think the best game plan for any draft is being flexible and being able to adjust on the fly. I don't I, I, I would hate to peg myself saying I have to leave every draft in the beginning with two out of uh, two out of my three picks have to be running back. I think if you do that, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. And I really think that you're going to dig yourself in holes and you're going to reach on players that you could have necessarily got the next pick and taken a, a better value with the previous pick. Um so I, when I say I like to get two out of three running backs, it's not a must. It's a preference, but I will adjust on the fly any given draft that I need to. Um, to answer your question, though, when am I attacking wide receivers? Um, it's as the value presents itself first and foremost. But I really like and, – and it also depends on the format. So if I'm doing um, best ball or if I'm doing FBGs, it's completely different. So like best ball, I'm completely fine waiting until round four or five for a receiver. And then I'm going the next four or five picks with the receiver. I may be sprinkling in a tight end. I may be sprinkling in a quarterback, depending upon what value fell to me. Um, but I really like the value of wide receivers, especially in the best ball format, um, you know, especially through those rounds like eight, nine, ten, where you're getting those, um, you know, Michael Gallup's, Will Fuller's, Brandon Cooks, you know, you're getting Marquise Brown's uh, players that are really going to pop when it comes to FBG in the hard way. A little different. You're going to have to take um, the receivers as they present themselves. Um you know, for me, like getting, I'm not going to pass on on F1 or Scary Terry, some might like to call him here at the end of round three. I thought about um, taking Miles Sanders there, but being in so many drafts, I said he's been slipping lately and he's been falling to the wow. middle of round four, the end of round four. Um, I'm going to chance it and hope that that slip continues and it paid off. I was able to grab Miles Sanders because just being in enough drafts, I know that, that that value keeps falling. So I took my wide receiver there as well. Um, so to answer your question, 
Um, it depends on the format, but I am okay waiting on wide receiver. Yeah, I thought the Sanders pick um, was a little like Dan's Dobbins pick, where you mm -hmm. guys were able to go with a build that um, they basically give you foundational running backs, potentially, um, where you guys were able to extract some value in the first two rounds with the tight end um, and, and a wide receiver. And, and we love Calvin Ridley this year. I know Dan's, Dan's a huge fan of his. Um, so you guys each walk away with a top-notch wide receiver, but then you're able to kind of, you know, recover with potential RB1s in the third and, and fourth rounds. I, I really like that that move with Sanders. Um, I'll give a, a shout-out to, to Curtis Patrick. I heard a great take on it. Is Miles Sanders is, is mispriced one way or another right now. Either he's going to not get the work and he's going to fall and be like a sixth-round value, but if he does come in there and get the work and the Eagles' uh, offense – you know, exceeds expectations a little bit with Hurst. I mean, this could be a real steal right now. I mean, last year I had a draft where I took him eighth overall, and now, like you said, he's going in the, in the fourth round. So uh, I like that pick a lot for you. Yeah, I mean, people forget Miles Sanders was being drafted as early as pick five, one point zero five last year. He was, you know, consistently around one um, around one draft pick. And I, I still think he has that same upside. I know there's, um, you know, coaching changes and I know there's a new quarterback. I know there's a lot of changes, but um, when he was, when he was in the games with Jalen Hurst down the run, he had a fantastic run. And, and even though he had some injuries last year, he was still 14th in the NFL in rushing yards. And so to be able to grab the 14th leading rusher in the middle of the four, so beginning of the fourth, what is that like running back 17, 18 off the board? I, I, I haven't counted it yet. Um, mm -hmm. But he's almost running back 20 right there. I'm willing to take that as my running back one with the upside that I have with Tyreek and Darren Waller all every single day of the week. I'm going to go around the board to each of you because, you know, you guys have you guys are all in here um, in this draft. So but you're but you've done other drafts of this, you know, similar type, like maybe, you know, best ball. So I'm going to go around. Give me two players each if you can. And I'm springing this on you guys, so I apologize. But you guys are profesh, right? You guys are profesh. Come on. Dan, give me two guys that you find yourself, whether it was in this draft, and, you know, preferably something relating to this draft. But is there a guy or two that you find yourself, dra you know, drafting over and over? I know Billy's touched on a couple guys based on the value he found in this draft. But give me a couple guys that, you know, are – listeners can can focus on especially if they find us fall at certain points of the draft right so one of them uh that i i find myself consistently drafting is antonio gibson pretty much anywhere in the second round because a lot of times he will fall you know all the way down towards the end of the second round uh it, it, and he is starting to pull back towards the middle of the round now but uh you know i was i was happily taking him uh you know if i had one of the first four picks uh, with my second round pick. And I think he's somebody who's just got a ton of upside uh, based on how uh, he's likely to be used in that Washington offense and what he's demonstrated skill wise. So really it's just a matter of uh, health for him. You know, is the, is the turf toe healed? Is he ready to go? Uh, and I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, I think he'll be far enough removed from it that, I know he's saying, well, I got to be careful with it. I'm not too worried about that. So he's he's one player I find myself drafting just all the time. Another one I find myself drafting all the time is uh, Darrell Henderson. And again, just because I think he's, he's very well uh, attractively priced for the type of handcuff that he is and the type of 
league winning upside that he could offer if something were to happen to Cam Akers. Uh, you know, it and so he's he's somebody that anytime we get into the middle rounds, I'll I'll be looking for him. It's just a priority because we know that Rams offense is gonna be using the running backs heavily uh, as part of the you know their strategy. No, I love the Henderson. If you're if you're heavily invested in Acres, especially, that's like the perfect hedge, right? You know, you do a couple of yep. best balls. You're like, especially if you go late round, you want to go deep at running back. Uh, he went in the tenth round in in this draft of of sharks here. Uh, but yeah, I love both those calls, Theo. What are who are one or two guys that you find uh, whether it was in this draft or in other ones that you're drafting over and over because of value? Um, there's a few guys that I have multiple shares of. Um, one one guy, it's very hard for me not to take Antonio Brown, um, kind of in that area that I that I got in. Um, yeah, I took him in the, in the eighth round. Um, I've got him in the ninth round as well. Um, I'd imagine his his ADP will will move up a little bit. I'm curious what, what Dan and Billy have to say about that. But I think if he's healthy throughout the preseason, year two in the tip offense, he had all that off the field issues. I mean, we're talking about Antonio Brown. Um, you know, I think that his he's being drafted at his floor um, right now, and I think he's just a, a great a great flex for me. Um, so I've added him um, a few times. Um, and then uh, another wide receiver who I have multiple shares of is Tyler Lockett. Um, I think he's the market's already corrected itself a little bit. Um, Billy and Dan could tell you that you know you maybe uh, you know, when the season ended and we had early early drafts, maybe get Tyler Lockett in like the sixth round. Now he's kind of solidified into the fifth round. Um, in NFFCs, he's moved up into fourth round a little bit. Um, and I just think. You know, you're talking about a guy who was wide receiver eight last year overall. Uh, he had such a poor end to the season last year, um, but he's a great player. Um, he had 100 catches last year. And again, it's I, I feel like if, if you're willing to kind of take peaks in the valleys, which I am, um, he's going to score an awful lot of points this year. So I love that value. And then I've added, uh, you know, a, a guy who people seem to be a little split on um, is, uh, you know, Travis Etienne, um, I, I think he will move up ADP-wise, so I'm trying to grab him a little bit. He just seems like a kind of player that people will get hyped on in the preseason. I think his role might be a little more clear by then. I believe in his talent, um, and I think that he might creep up into the end of the third round, so I've been trying to grab him. So that's, that's three guys which uh, I have multiple shares of right now. Dan, how many months lock it? Where we talking go by Lockett because nobody like and we you and I you and I did a lot of our drafts early in the off season. I'm pretty sure we have two or three shares of Lockett, especially if we went earlier at other positions. I yeah, mean, exactly. he's money. And, and you know what's what's killing his value this year is the fact that um, he scored like so many of his points in three weeks last year or something like that. I mean, it was just you know his distribution of point scoring was extremely. Uh, you know, wide variance. And, you know, that's just, that's just variance. I mean, it's unusual. Yeah, it happened, but you know, the odds of that happening again are pretty small. I think, you know, he's probably going to, you know, his scoring distribution is going to be much more evened out this year. Uh, and the offense also fits him uh, because, you know, what they're talking about is going to a little bit more of a quick hitting passing game, which is going to favor him a little bit more than DK Metcalf, who, uh you know, it gets open in a different way than what Lockett does. Uh, Lockett, Lockett is shifty and uh, and fast, and he can get open in a you know the blink of an eye. Uh, whereas Metcalf takes a little bit longer to get open. So I think Lockett 
is going to really be a good pick this year. Guys, before, I, we, before we go to Billy's guys, sorry to, to cut you off, Billy, but you, okay. you might you might relate to this. You, you ever you ever have a favorite band? They come out with their second album, and everybody's <laughs> like, "What the f is that? Like, what the hell? That's your follow up? Like, seriously?" And and I feel like that like right now the Seahawks and the Ravens for me are offenses that last year maybe. A, a bit in shambles, you know, especially Seattle, that offense, like they, they, they were confused. Are we passing team? Are we running team? We don't know. Like, you know, and I think that that's, what's throwing off people. So I think, you know, the major pieces in that offense, but especially a guy like Lockett because he's a receiver because of his age and because there's other shiny toys on that roster, like DK Metcalf and uh, the newest addition. Um, wow. Blanking right now. Anyways, Billy, we'll go to you, brother. Who are who are some guys that you feel uh, you're grabbing consistently in, in some of these drafts due to value? I'm going to give you three because one of them I've already given a lot of the statistics on, but it's Miles Sanders. He keeps falling into round four. Uh, I was able to get him at 4.12 the other day in, in a best ball draft, which was just phenomenal value. Um, I've already given you the statistics on it, so I won't, I won't bog you down on that one again. But the other two are Marvin Jones and... Um, James Robinson. So I'll start with Marvin Jones here. Marvin Jones was wide receiver 18 last year in fantasy points. And um, he had nine touchdowns. He was 19th in receiving yards with 978. Um, I got him off the board in this draft as wide receiver 56. And I just think that <clears throat> he's just the steady Freddy, right? I, I, everyone I know is on the, the Chark train. Everyone's on the LaVisca Chanel train. Um, but it seems like no matter where Marvin Jones goes, whether it was Cincinnati or it was Detroit, um, he seems to always just be in the right place at the right time. There's something to be said for route running. There's something to be said for hands, but there's just something for to be said about um, being a good football player and knowing how to get open. And Marvin Jones just seems to be that player for me. And I really think that he's going to be that target for Trevor Lawrence, that, that steady hand that he can rely on. And we're starting to hear um, – he scuttled out of camp, but they're saying that um, Shark didn't play big last year. Um, and I, I just think that being able to get that price on him, there's hardly any risk with all the reward. And I think that he's also going to be used a lot um, in the red zone as well. So I'm very high on Marvin Jones. James Robinson, I mean, we saw what he did last year. He was, he was you know, in my eyes, kind of like the only other player who's even come close to what he did was like an Arian Foster type. I mean, he came in off, you know, undrafted rookie free agent, finished the season as as RB7 in standard and finished the season as RB7 in um, PPR as well. I mean, 10 touchdowns, over a thousand rushing yards and everyone is is on. <laughs> sorry, Theo, but everybody's on this Travis Etienne kick. And I I just don't see it. I mean, we've seen rookies come in the league. Like, look at Amir Abdul. Uh, I mean, look what happened to Amir Abdullah, right? Everyone saw in preseason <laughs> he was being drafted in like the top three, four picks in rookie drafts, and it just doesn't pan out sometimes. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Travis Etienne, but what I'm saying is there's something to be said for a, a rookie who has already had success. Do I expect him to get the volume he had last year? Absolutely not. Do I expect him to have the passing volume in the passing game as much as he did last year? Absolutely not. But for a running back taken in round seven right now, who's going to be the one-two back in this offense, um, I, I like that upside. I, I like the fact that he's going to be the goal line back. Um, and I really like the fact that um, where his ADP has fallen. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a huge value in round seven. 
Guys, someone tweeted out today, and I'm trying to find them on here. So if you guys know or remember who it is, I would appreciate it because I, I really like whenever people take the time. And guys, if you're listening or watching, we appreciate any time you give feedback on the show, especially on Twitter. Someone put out a really nice tweet just saying, you know, anytime they listen to a tweet that makes them want to run off and go do a draft or a trade or, or change his mind on a player. It was and, Mike Sanda. Mike Sanda. Yep. There you yep. go. Was, and, and, Mike Sanda's a very good player, and um, Mike Sanda is in the uh, NFFC New York Super with me, and um, he's a he's everybody knows him in in, in FFPC and in NFFC as a guy who puts together solid teams. So, you know, we're the 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 sharps are listening to to the Goat District because we get guys like Billy Muzio coming on. So um, that was great to see Mike tweeting that out. And his his uh, his spreadsheet was pretty accurate, with the exception of the one and two should have been flopped. But I think the spreadsheet was pretty darn accurate. <laughs> hey, it had me as I enjoyed the spreadsheet so as well. That was, that was nice for us. That was nice for us. <laughs> Here, you get one of these. There you go, Billy. I was a little, I was a little slow on the trigger, but you you definitely deserved the first one. Uh, I mean, but no, I, I, I say that because you brought up two guys that I just cannot get on and Marvin Jones, you know, not sexy enough. Maybe he's, you know, he's on the Jags, all that. And, and, and obviously with Robinson and Etienne coming in, you know, he's a guy that could, he's one of those guys, like he's pushed down now. You're not getting him in the second or third round anymore. So the guys that are picking him in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, I mean, you might have yourself a legit RB2 right there. You know, um, and again, when you're looking at roster construction, getting some of those other positions early, these these are players that I'm, I'm, you know, someone like Billy's making me think about, and I, and I appreciate that. I hope you guys appreciate that. Smash the like, smash the subscribe. Dan, I'm gonna do it real quick. Myffpc.com. We're talking about it all night. You see the draft boards. You've heard it on Shark Week. These guys are winning six digits playing fantasy football. Period. That's all I need to say. I shouldn't have to say more than that, guys. Fantasy football, you win five hundred thousand dollars, and we're not—we're not talking like you got to invest hundreds of thousands here. You're getting into leagues. You can get into a thirty-five dollar best ball, win that, win a, a three hundred and fifty entry into the Football Guys Championship, and will you win yourself a five hundred thousand dollar check, right there, son, by winning three leagues? And I, I, that's legit. That's no jokes. That's why we promote the site on here. It's the best site out there. Best ball, redraft, big money leagues. Small money leagues, if that's your thing, you know, slim drafts are down to five bucks now, guys. So there's room for everybody on the FFPC. Go to myffpc.com right now. Guys, let's get back to the draft. Theo, what was your biggest surprise or what's something that maybe surprised you <laughs> in this draft? That, I, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, can you pull well, up the was there was there anything yeah. right? Was there anything? Because maybe these guys are so sharp that nothing surprised <laughs> you. Or, so, I don't know. I think that uh, I think that this draft showed that um, people in the high stakes uh, community are going to push Austin Eckler higher than um, he would go in a lot of home leagues. Um, I was in a, another draft this weekend where he went a couple picks. I had the eleventh pick, and I was thinking I could get Eckler, and it just didn't happen. Um, and uh, and Mark Garcia, you know, took him. Higher than ADP, uh, that's that's Hilo, who's a, a very very sharp player, um, who we all respect, and he went out of his way to not only take Austin Eckler at five, but he went with Keenan Allen, right about where Keenan Allen's priced, 
Um, and then he took uh, Justin Herbert, actually ahead of Dak Prescott, which you rarely see. Um, he's going, um, you know, pretty much all in on that Chargers stack. Um, and you'll notice, um, I don't recall who it was, but it was, I think it was, um, who took who took Mike Williams, guys? But he they, they definitely uh, did it. I just, yeah, I just saw him beside. Nope. Uh, that, that, that was uh, Tupacker, Ron Meyer. Yeah. So, right, right so Tupacker, you can see Tupacker tried to break up the stack. Um, it, I think he didn't want to give Hilo the complete uh, Chargers stack. That, that would Billy and Dan, would you agree that that was a stack clock or was that a, just taking him ahead of value? Because I, I didn't think there was any reason to take Mike Williams quite that high. What about you? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think Ron's high Dan, let me throw this on the table. Guys, wouldn't you have taken AB there and stacked him with Fournette and Godwin as opposed to trying to block the other guy? Like, focus on your own roster. No, am I wrong here? I, I mean, mean, yeah. It, we'd have to ask Ron. I mean, I think he, you know, right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get him on here. Yep. Nice. <laughs> ah, there no, you I go. Mean, for those, yeah, for those I mean, listening, he put out, he put on it. He's got in the chat there. Sorry, Theo. He's got in the chat. I, I'm not a stack breaker. Chargers are my favorite team. So there you I go. I mean, if you if you look at his name, I, it says it all. I mean, non sheeple rankings, and and he's not afraid to go outside the ADP train. I mean, I thought Jalen Rager was going to make it back to me. That's the one that I was kind of shocked about because he's only going a full round and a half later at the end of round twelve there. And so I had every intention of taking Rager this this draft instead of Marvin Jones there or tapping Rager and then getting Marvin Jones on the turn so I could pair Rager with Hertz and then take Marvin Jones with my James Robinson. And he took him and I was I remember I was I was like mid sip and I was like, oh son of a bitch. Like he just <laughs> took Jalen Rager. I didn't have my scoundrel sound. I, there were, I, I was gonna <laughs> say there were a lot of those during that draft. <laughs> but um that was my biggest kind of oh man, I just got sniped moment. And um it was a round and a half early, and, and according to ADP, and um, at that point, I had already seen him take Mike Williams, so I had known that he he was not afraid going against the grain. He certainly had a, a great start with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, C.D. Lamb, and then went back to the well with Chris Godwin. Um, that I mean, that's a really nice nice receiver group that he put together there, um, and it's kind of like the Williams and Harden picks are are both guys that are have extremely high ceilings in, in what could be um, two of the better offenses in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I can see that. But just uh, was a surprise to me with, with um, you know, Mark taking Eckler there. Um, other than that, there wasn't too many surprises. Um, Jamar Chase, um, where Dave took him, was maybe a little higher than, um, than, than we see sometimes, but I thought it was a great pick. And he also was able to set up a uh, Cincinnati Bengals stack, um, but other than that, I thought that the you know the first you know four or five rounds were there wasn't any huge reach. I don't know. Do you guys see any? Yeah, nothing, nothing really huge. Uh, you know, it, it it's towards the middle rounds that you start seeing people really you know making moves for their guys. Uh, you know, a la Mike Williams. And I, I think, uh, you know, Ron was probably thinking Williams might not make it back to him in the ninth. And, you know, there might have been some truth to that. Uh, it's That's that's a player I'm also high on. I probably would have tried to push him a little bit later. But, uh, you know, when when uh, Ron took him in the eighth, I was like, oh, I was I was kind of thinking about uh, picking him off in, our, in another round or two. 
Yeah, and I are, and we talked about it live during the draft, but I mean, I have uh, Herbert projected for 5,000 passing yards this year. And when we see a quarterback have that type of magnitude of a season, all the positional players around him get elevated as well. I mean, we look at last year and look at the MVP caliber season that we saw from Josh Allen and what happened with Stefan Diggs. Anytime a quarterback or, or um, somebody outperforms their ADP, the players around them, typically we see a rise in elevation as well. Yeah. Hunter, I, um, I mean, you, you'd, you'd think that it opens up for Williams and, and he's, I mean, he's shown really nice flashes. Like dude, dude looks like he could be a beast out there. He's like a, you know, he kind of has flashes of Julio sometimes, you know, kind of getting up there, grabbing that ball, like a Hulk, you know, like, like a Brock Lesnar, right. Theo just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mike, Mike Williams could be, could be the guy in, in the red zone this year. Um, like you said, Henry out of the, out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to think that he could be, you know, very well targeted. And he's had a double-digit um, touchdown season in his career. There's no reason he can't do it again. It's highly of him being the X receiver this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can definitely see it. I can definitely see it. And, and, um, and just, just, just uh, Theo, to add to that touchdown, uh, you know, target action, let's not forget who was leading in touchdowns a couple years ago was actually, or what, I don't know. I'm bad with how many years it was, but Hunter Henry, if I remember correctly, one of the top touchdown uh, getters in, in a season at the tight end position. So now you've got him gone, which opens up even more for Williams. You know, they haven't, let's face it, they haven't added much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a question that I had for Billy. Um, I've enjoyed uh, your, your, you've been posting um, some of your team projections um, and I thought they've been, they've been great. Is there any players, um, and I'll ask you to touch on one that I know we've discussed. Um, is there any players? And you mentioned you mentioned Justin Herbert at five thousand yards. Um, is there any other other players that you were kind of surprised by your projections for them in a positive way, and maybe they bu- they bumped up your board because of that? And if you could talk a little bit about uh, your love for T.J. Hawkinson, who I know that um, we've discussed, <laughs> and uh, his uh, his stat wise, I, I know you're you're quite bullish on him. We love some T.J.H. on here. <laughs> He was actually the first name I was going to say because he was going in round four pretty frequently. He's starting to go in round three, which I I'm, I would never take Kyle Pitts over TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah it, I can't do it. I, I don't care. Um, Dynasty, okay, there's an argument to be made, but F, FBG's main events, no freaking way. Uh, TJ Hawkinson I have, and you and I have talked off air, I have TJ Hawkinson projected for 137 targets this year with the Detroit Lions. That team is going to be bad. And and we got to think, um, everyone remembers Blake Bortles. And, and it was like he was a really bad NFL quarterback. But in fantasy terms, he was the garbage time king. And he always came through. And you got – he'd have like 10 or 12 points going into like the fourth quarter. And he'd finish with like 20 or 22 points because he's just a ton of garbage points. It was touchdowns. It was, you know, 30-yard bombs or whatever it may have been. Hawkinson, I feel, is going to have the same way, but it's going to start from like quarter one, quarter two. They're going to have to abandon their run. They're going to have to start throwing the ball to keep up with these teams. Their defense is not good. Um, he's really the only reliable target on the team. I mean, you have Brashad Perriman, you have Tyrell Williams, Quinn Cephas. I mean, that says enough to me. So TJ Hawkinson to me, like I was taking him all day in round four in the beginning of like April and May, and we're starting to see him squeeze into round three. I'm glad I got my shares. I'm at almost 30% ownership across my FFPC leagues. I can start diversifying now and start looking elsewhere. So he was probably my most owned tight end in the beginning because of my projections. 
Um, I'm not a big component of drafting a quarterback early because I, I'm a firm believer in finding value. I mean, I was drafting Aaron Rodgers around 11 last year. I was drafting uh, Josh Allen around 11 last year. I just felt I always feel like you're able to find value. For me, it was Ryan Tannehill this year. I did it partly thinking that Julio may go there, but also if he didn't, um, he was going in round 17, round 18. A lot of these FBG drafts it was like 163 ADP overall. Best ball he was going earlier, but being able to get that type of player who's had the seasons that he's had, I hadn't projected for, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I hadn't projected for a pretty strong season, even losing Corey Davis, losing John New Smith, because Anthony Ferkser wasn't like a dud last year. He was used, utilized a lot. I mean, Arthur Smith ran a lot of 12 personnel. So um, I knew that Ferkser was going to be involved. Then when they received Julio on top of it, for me, it was just a benefit. You were able to divert um, double coverage from Antonio Brown. Um, you weren't going to have to rely as much on Ferkser, and they're not going to be able to stack the box for Derrick Henry. It's going to open this offense up a lot more. So Ryan Tannehill was probably one of the most drafted quarterbacks I had because of the value that you were able to get him at, and he's starting to fly up boards now. It's like that band you like guys in high school, right? You're the first one to like them. You love them. As soon as everyone else likes them, you're like, the fuck out. I can't, I can't hear that song one more time. <laughs> I'm throwing that CD out or that tape for us oldies. And that was part of it. Like I was drafting Tannehill and Ferkser in tandem because you were, you were able to get, especially in these classic formats, like best ball formats in the 28 rounds, you were able to get Ferkser in like April, May. You were able to get him in round 20, 21, 22 sometimes. Oh, yeah. It might be my most owned tight end is for, for and, sure. And, and then as soon as the John o. Smith news was official, I mean, I anticipated it. As soon as it was official, Ferkser was going around 12, 13, up to 11. I saw him going around 10 at times and and to be able to pair that stacking like round 18 round you know 20 getting Ferkser and Tannehill it was a no-brainer for me yep definitely makes sense so you, you're you're not thinking it hurts Ferkser too much with Julio coming in I definitely think it hurts him the most um I actually uh, I posted my updated rankings on Twitter like 15 minutes after they, they posted the news, I went through and adjusted them. Ferkser definitely got, you know, a notch down. AJ Brown, not so much. I, I really believed it was, it was almost benef beneficial for him because he's not going to be able to get double teamed. I mean, yeah, he's not going to get the targets that he was slotted for. Like I think at that point I had him slotted for like 130 something targets, um, which he was able to, you know, be knocked down. Like I said, I don't have the numbers in front of me again, but um, I still have him as a wide receiver one. He's still my wide receiver one in dynasty. Um, you know, Julio's 32. He, he gets in, he's often injured and um, he's going to divert a lot of attention, uh, but overall it's going to open up this offense. So I, I, I definitely think it hurt, hurts Ferkster the most, but it's not going to take him. you know, it's, it's, you're not going to like lose like four rounds of value on, or, or you're not going to lose like four rounds of ADP on him. He's going to, he's, he's, he's gone from like 10, 11 to like 12, 13 again. Yep. Makes sense. Dan, Theo, going back to the draft, is there anything specific, anything we haven't hit on that you guys either wanted to outline that you wanted to ask Billy that we haven't touched on yet? Well, one thing I thought that would be interesting um, that we could all discuss is, the the value pockets that we're starting to see develop in in football guys drafts um namely for running backs and wide receivers are there any specific um rounds 
that we're seeing, you know, strong value in where, where the position sort of uh, starts to dry up. Um, I could start with uh, I could start with you, Billy. Um, specifically, running back and receivers. Or any maybe like a three round, two round area that you're seeing just tremendous value. And JD, maybe we could see the see the board on this one. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me. I can do without looking at the board. Um, sure. Round 11, 12 is at, at, after 12. I think there's a major drop off in wide receiver value. I, I love Gabe Davis this year. I mean, he, I have him pegged as the wide receiver two inside Buffalo. I'm not scared of Manny Sanders being there. And Gabe Davis led this team in receiving touchdowns last year. I think he does the same here in 2021. Um, he's a major best ball target for me. I, I like him in FBGs and main events as well. Um, round 12 wide receiver. I'll take it all day. Uh, but then, you know, you start seeing like the, the Traquan Smiths and the Cole Beasley's and the Byron Pingrels and, and, and those start going in, in the next round or two. And I just think that's just a massive teardrop for me. Um, in terms of running backs, I, I think it, it, for me, it really happens kind of from that, like, you know, 10 to 11, 10 to 12 range. Um, I like Naheem Hines more more than most this year. I think he has standalone value in PPR leagues. Uh, kind of similar reasons that you said, Theo, earlier, why you weren't high on Jonathan Taylor, I think is part of the reasons why I love Naheem Hines. Um, he's utilized in the passing game. He's explosive. He has really big weeks, really big games, really big plays. Um, and I don't think that goes away. I, I think that um, he's going to be utilized in that same fashion here in 2021. Uh, again, I'm a Daryl Henderson over Cam Akers guy. So um, I I really like the Daryl Henderson range as well in 10. I mean, people are drafting Cam Akers at an absolute peak right now. They're drafting him off of his run at the end of the season in 2020 when he was averaging 23 and a half touches a game. I mean, people forget Daryl Henderson was hurt. Malcolm Brown was hurt. Jared Goff had a broken thumb. And we're not going to see that type of injury injuries this year. Hopefully not in within that offense on top of it. They brought in, um, they brought in um, a new quarterback and he's a gunslinger. Matt Stafford slings the rock. They don't bring in Matt Stafford to run the ball 23 and a half times a game. They bring in Matt Stafford to throw the ball more. And, and we're already seeing out of camp. They're loving what they see out of Matt Stafford. And I, I think that that hurts cam makers. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, right, for I, me, Cam Akers I, is is a, as a middle to back end running uh, round two running back for me. You're hurting my a, feelings, but again, I, I, I like no. But honestly, dude, I, I don't like people coming on and just like I don't I don't like everyone having the same idea. You know what I mean? I I, I love when Theo or Dan or especially like Dan and I Cohen teams. And when he has like a different opinion on a guy, I love that. And when we have guests on that just show me a different side of a player, that's probably, the, that's like the spark. You know, like, I don't know if anyone has like a, a gas fireplace, you know, that little, the, the pilot that's always kind of on. Like, I yeah. feel like that's what gets me. That's where like, I turn this show off and then I'm going to all my leagues and I start looking for trades and making moves. And because now my opinion is it's like, well, it's my, it's kind of opened up my eyes. You know, it's widened my, my trajectory as to who I'm looking at. And I love that as long as it's backed up by, by legit, you know, le- logic. Yeah. In dynasty in dynasty league, especially you're never going to have a higher selling point on cam makers than you have right now. And yeah. I, I've, I firmly believe that I, even if he starts off the season as well as he did at the end, that type of production, that type of volume is unsustainable. Sell him now. 
And anyone yeah, who bought actually, Bitcoin, anyone who bought Bitcoin at 70 grand or 60 grand or whatever the top <laughs> was, 65, they'll they'll understand that. I sold DK Metcalf at the start of this offseason in Trade Addicts 5. I had Russell Wilson. It's a great stack. I love it. But dude, like I, I drafted him and now I just sold them for like a, a house and a, and a yacht. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I even have a trampoline in the backyard for my daughter. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. So why would you not, once you've gained that value, why not take the profit? And we talk about that. If you pivot correctly, you don't hurt your team. It's when you don't pivot correctly, that's when you hurt your team. And I think that's the problem. Anyways, this isn't Dynasty tonight. We're talking redraft, but I just <laughs> wanted to kind of go out there. I'm going to go on a little rant. Here. Yeah, this is this is a goat district pod. We can always swing right into Dynasty and you know, <laughs> yeah. right back out. So no big we, deal. We there. actually we had makers on um, JD Dan and I did our Dynasty cells, um, you know, a couple of weeks back, and Acres was my number one sell. Not because I hate the player, Absolutely. but I think that the value is is inflated to a point that you'll never see again possibly in his entire career right now he's treated like jonathan taylor in terms of value in, in the dynasty community he's, he's not that for me um i think that you're you hit it spot on um i think darrell henderson um is a value where he's going um he's a talented guy um i'll agree with you on Gabe as well um i want very talented players in great offenses and I think that there's, like you said, it's the perception of a crowded receiver room. But Gabe Davis has already flashed as the largest receiver on the team, on a team that doesn't feature the tight end with a quarterback that we all like. And he's properly priced for to exceed his value. So I think I think that's a great call. And um, just a shout out to, to Austin Martin. Um, I think Austin was able to really attack the wide receiver um, wide receiver position really well in our in our league. Um, he went with. Um, Jalen Waddle in the 10th round, followed up with Elijah Moore, a player that I'm very high on in the 11th, got Billy's guy, Gabe Davis, and then he uh, followed up with Terrace Marshall, a player who Dan has um, spoken very highly on in this pod for, for weeks and months now. Um, so I think that, that that kind of 10 through 12 round, um, you can you could potentially build a team where you pick up maybe two guys there as your wide receiver three and wide receiver four, or wide receiver four and wide receiver five and just feel great because it does seem to dry up a little bit after the 13th round. Like, like we said, the guys like Pringle, the guys like Aguilar Edwards, you get, you go from suddenly having, you know, high upside guys um, with potentially solid volume, the guys that we're kind of guessing on. So I think that that was a great call. Um, and then, yeah, going back to your Heinz call, I thought that was tremendous. I mean, the guy was running back 15 last year, and he drafted as a running back four in a lot of drafts. Um, and I'm also taking some shots on Kenyon Drake. Um, I took him in this draft. I think that the Raiders have a plan to use him, uh, and I, I like his potential. So, yeah, I agree with you on on both pockets. Um, Dan, Dan, would you agree on that, or is, are you seeing any other pockets of value for wide receiver or running back? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that's exactly it. I mean, you know, uh, and I, I think about this kind of almost from the, the flip side of the coin. Uh, you know, I'm taking a look at uh, tight ends and quarterbacks. And really at tight end, uh, once Hawkinson's off the board, uh, you know, you, you, I, I'm putting the draft on snooze at tight end until about round 12. Uh, I just don't have any interest in between there because I think I can get guys in round 12 uh, you know, that are going to be at, 
at least similar and maybe better than some of those guys who are going in the fifth through 11th round. Uh, you know, I, I, it just seems like we're always taking the guys who did really well last year and, you know, we push them up into the fifth, sixth, seventh round at tight end and they never do as well as we think they're going to do. And, you know, there's always guys like, you know, you can grab Gronk, you can grab uh, Jared Cook, you can grab uh, Hayden Hurst. You know, these are guys that have proven production, you know, and I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to really, uh, you know, it, it's going to hurt Hurst a little bit, not that much. And then you can guy, get guys with super intriguing upside, Hunter Henry and uh, 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 New England, you know, uh, you know, if he's the, the main receiving tight end. Uh, I think he's going to he's going to massively pay off. Uh, Adam Troutman could be huge in New Orleans. Cole Komet could be huge in uh, in Chicago. You know, so there's lots of really good tight ends right around that range. In the meantime, you know, you've got some quarterbacks in that, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. That's where you're getting kind of your elite quarterbacks. Um, and if you miss out on them, then you're probably wanting to pick up your quarterback in the 10th or 11th round. Uh, and pick up your receivers in between there. So uh, that's that's kind of where I'm focusing is, I'm you know, I'm using the tight ends to say, okay, tight ends and running backs, I'm grabbing them early or I'm grabbing them late. And then those middle rounds, I'm really going to be focusing on uh, my wide receivers and my quarterbacks. Yeah, Dan, I think you hit the hammer of the nail. I'm looking at my FFPC ownership right now and, and outside um, Hawkinson or Fant, um, my next most owned tight ends are Eric Ebron, Hayden Hurst, and Robert Tunyon, and Anthony Ferkser, all that like 11 to 14 range. And back to the like the Kyle Pitts piece, and I, I, I talked about the projections that I had for him. I mean, I have Hayden Hurst projected for 11% target share still. I, Arthur Smith, when he was in, in Tennessee, who's now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, he ran the most 12 personnel in the league. And People just are looking at at this offense and saying, hey, they drafted Kyle Pitts. Hayden Hurst is, is chump change now. He's gone. No, that's not what's going to happen. I mean, Hayden Hurst is still going to be involved in this offense, especially with the 12 personnel this offense is going to run. And now that we've seen Julio depart and we've seen they have not brought in somebody else to replace Julio, I think it's obvious this team is going to run a lot of 12 personnel. And and for me, that that beneficiary is Hayden Hurst. Dan, I'm going to disagree with you. I know I'm just a little goat around these sharks and whales over here, but my my favorite it's good bait. Right now, yes. My favorite, that's good bait. There you go. Put a little red on it, you know. Um, but one of my favorite grabs, I talked about. I talked about the two offenses that I'm picking off right now, and Baltimore is probably the one I'm picking off the most. And for me, Mark Andrews in the fifth and a tight end premium, and then to follow it up with Lamar Jackson in the seventh. Bring on anyone that drafted a quarterback before me and bring on anyone who drafted a tight end before me. And those are the only two guys that are falling in those ranges that I could say that with. So that's where I might disagree with Dan. I agree with the Pitts call, and I agree with uh, kind of the ranges you guys discussed. But for me, Andrews and Lamar right now, especially in tight end premium, premium are money for myself. I don't know if you guys agree or not. Yeah, I, I, like, the, I like the Mark Andrews pick. Uh, he, he slept about half around from where he normally goes. Um, although the quarterback piece I don't agree with, again, finding value. I mean, I'm able to get Aaron Rodgers in round 14. I would take a round 14 Aaron Rodgers over around seven Lamar Jackson any day of the week. 
even if I'm only getting, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks out of Aaron Rodgers, we don't know what's going to happen. Anyone who says they know is lying. And um, all at this point, it's just assumptions, speculation and projections. So I think that um, I he got value in both positions regardless. I, I, I love the value he got at both spots. And and I I agree with what you're saying about Rodgers. I kind of like just drafting Rodgers, knowing he's going to kick ass. Because I I figure like he goes somewhere else, he kicks ass. He stays there, he kicks ass. Like unless he sits out, which I'm I'm if your per, your ownership percentages are right, you can handle that risk. Um, but I, I agree with you. For me, and uh, Lamar is when you get in those drafts, especially like this kind of draft, Billy. I don't know if you felt I I agree with your value on the quarterbacks. But sometimes you want to play with the guys that have those top quarterbacks. I feel like he's kind of the last one. Him and Rodgers are, for me, those last guys that fall in that value. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll kind of piggyback off what Billy said. I don't, I don't mind taking a quarterback um, early when the value presents itself. Um, and I'll also throw in, I know that you took, you took Jalen Hurts in this draft. Um, we've discussed uh, Ryan Tannehill, who I completely agree with you on. Um, I think Tannehill has that r- that rushing floor that keeps him super safe uh, to finish as a, as a quarterback one this year with those weapons at wide receiver. Um, but I'll also throw out Tom Brady, um, who I found myself taking a little bit. I think he has um, immense passing upside. Um, he has tw- there's 22 starters coming back for Tampa this year. Um, he's going to have you know a, a great wide receiver core. Uh, Dan mentioned Gronk. We've talked about Antonio Brown. Obviously, Godwin and Evans are there. They added Gio Bernard, who I think could be a little speed dump-off option for him. Um, so I'm I'm taking shots on Brady, um, and I like your your Stafford call. Um, and then we've talked about um, you know taking one of these guys late, like a Trey Lance, um, you know, as a potential uh, lottery ticket. So yeah, I think you can do it both ways this year, quarterback-wise. You just have to read the room and not reach. I, and one quarterback I'll also throw out that um, is is Joe Burrow. Um, we all love his wide receivers. Um, if Joe Burrow is healthy, he could, he could put up some 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 dynamite passing numbers as well. So I think you can do it both ways. Um, Billy's Billy's uh, got a great argument on waiting for her back, um, and JD also has a great great argument on you know those those top six guys are are. You know, it could be it could be a real difference maker for you as well. So there's different ways of building a team this year, and I think it makes it very exciting in drafts. I think in general, though, with this kind of draft, especially the hardware draft, I mean, look at the value of quarterback across the board. I mean, even Mahomes went, you know, a quarter to a half a round later, when which is you know the number one quarterback on everyone's boards primarily, and then to see Josh Allen and Kyler Murray in round six is just. You don't see that very often in these FPG mm-hmm. drafts. They're going in round four. They're both going around five. I mean, Herbert and Lamar are going in five to six. I mean, Dak Prescott went around the end of round seven for crying out loud in this draft. So uh, I think just across the board, the quarterback, we have savvy drafters in here. Everyone knows they can wait on quarterback. They can find value. They know that they can find a person that's going to fit their, their build, their mold. And, um, I'm not saying that taking a quarterback early is wrong. It, it fits his team. I mean, he was able to get Mark Andrews to come back two rounds or later and get Lamar Jackson. I mean, I if I had Mark Andrews, I'd smash that play in round seven. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it has to fit your it has to fit your team. It has to fit your mold. Like if you're the TJ Hawkinson owner and you're drafting Lamar Jackson there, I'm I'm raising a little That's bit of eyebrow. It is totally. it is it, it is value at the same time. So I'm not against it, but it just doesn't fit the team in the mold and the build. As as well as it did with Dan's build here. 
And, and you guys bring up a, a good point. It's all about context. It's all about the individual rosters. I'm, I'm pointing out, I'm assuming that people listening to us in the middle of June right now are probably <laughs> drafting multiple rosters like we are. So I like to, yes, if, if I'm putting like, you know, five grand down right now, Dan's got me in these nosebleed leads leagues and I need to draft, I'll have my preferred way. But we draft so many teams that I think it's a good idea to have a bit of the, the constructions that you believe in and that you can maneuver throughout an entire draft. That's, that's kind of like the way I see it. I'm not grabbing Lamar and Andrews in every single draft, but I feel like they, those two guys are falling at a really nice value, but you guys made a really good point. It's all relative to the narrative of your roster, right? And the construction that you're building. Yep, definitely. And I, I know we kind of got off tight ends, but I, I just wanted to throw out one little tidbit for the, the dynasty crowd that's listening in. Uh, we were talking about Hayden Hurst. Uh, he's going to be a free agent after the end of this year. You can get him for basically nothing in almost any dynasty league right now. Yeah, he's free uh, right he's, now. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's shown that in the Atlanta offense, uh, you know, he can be somebody. So I think if he goes, you know, he's a perfect player to just grab and, and stash on your roster you know, maybe you're using him this year, maybe you're not. But um, he's def, you know, he's definitely got a good chance of, uh, you know, paying off for you, being a nice little appreciating asset that you can uh, sell off for a profit next year, or just, you know, put him in your lineup and enjoy. Well, especially was- a guy that, especially a guy, sorry, Bill, that that's going to go in there and you would think would get targets early in the season, and that's right. a perfect trade piece, right? So he blows up for in the first two seasons. No one's expected it. You got him on your roster for super cheap because you bought him now. Now you can go buy yourself that piece, you know, that RB two or that wide receiver two. Go ahead, Billy. Sorry, man. Yeah, I was going to say uh, back back to the hurt. I love Hurst, and I I can't. I can't get off this train enough because the value is just so significant. I mean, mm-hmm. people forget how hard of a position tight end is to learn in the NFL. You're not only learning route running, you're learning blocking. You're essentially learning two positions in the NFL. Outside quarterback, it's one of the hardest positions to learn inside this league. And, I mean, Hayden Hurst finished last year as – as um, I'm going to pull up PPR here. Guys, so, he was, he put it this way, 16 weeks. He was an arb. He was a tight end one, nine weeks. He was a tight end two, at least a tight end two, 11 of those yep. weeks. So he finished his tight end nine and he also finished with ninth and touchdowns overall. And it's not like that's going to go away. I just said, you know, Arthur Smith runs 12 personnel and we're not going to see pits on the field as much during blocking plays. So who's going to be on the field? It's going to be Hayden Hurst. So he's going to have an involvement. He's going to have a role. And people are underestimating the impact he's going to have on this offense. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric Ebron, same way. I mean, you know. Yes. Take take all those arguments, put them on Ebron. Parallel. Yep. Theo? So Hurst also was – I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a first-round pick, um, you know, for Baltimore. They took him ahead of Mark Andrews. And, you know, if we go back a year year ago – you're getting, you know, a ten a ten round discount on where he's going. Um, you know, a lot of people were very high on Hayden Hurst last year, um, and you know, this is a guy that Atlanta gave up a, a second round and a fourth rounder, I believe, um, with the trade they, they gave to Baltimore for him. So yeah, it's um, you know, Billy talks about you know where are the targets going to go. It, it seems to me like it. There's a lot of like kind of question marks after Ridley and Pitts. Um, at the end of the day, um, Mike Davis will soak up some targets, but Hurst could end up being, you know, 
third or fourth on the team in targets, and I think he'll return value. Um, I know one drafter we we all respect. Um, I'll keep his name anonymous, so I don't reveal his targets. I saw him get Hayden Hurst in a 19th round a couple weeks ago in a, in a football guys. Now it seems like you know Hurst is in that like that 15th round ish area, which is still just just tremendous value. And then I like Dan's call on on Ebron. Um, I think that Pittsburgh receivers in general, it's a place that I want to take shots. I think the fact that there are so many guys um, is scaring people kind of a little bit away. Um, but I think that, you know, Ebron's, Ebron's a great call. Dan's talked about him on the show a, a lot in the past. Um, and I think the fact that they added Fryermuth, who I'm, I'm extremely high on in Dynasty, um, is kind of bringing Ebron's cost down even a little bit more. And I think you can, you can profit off of that right now in drafts. Yeah, Abron was money, right? Then um, um, I really want to pull up what he did last year because it was, I don't think most people that didn't have him on their rosters or enjoyed the production, especially at the price he was going. So he was, oh, see, very similar, guys. Eight, so 15 weeks, eight of those weeks he was tight end one, 11 of them at least he was a tight end two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's magic, right? So you, you have this team drafting a rookie, that's like, Wow, it's like it's like if you want to buy Bitcoin right now. I mean, just it, you're you're talking twenty eight grand. You know what I mean for something that was sixty grand like a couple uh, <laughs> whatever three four weeks ago. Same thing here, guys. You're talking about a guy that's producing in the upper echelon at a position that's really hard to find production, and in an offense that I think is kind of being pushed back and similar to the Ravens in Seattle right now. I think guys are kind of poo pooing on what Ben's going to bring to that offense. You know, oh, they got three receivers. These guys were producing guys last year. And as, you know, rookies, a guy, you know, young receivers, these guys are going to evolve. So I think Ebron and that offense, Ebron's money right now. Yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the red zone targets in that offense. I mean, you know, there's there's him and Juju and Claypool, and those, those are basically going to be your red zone targets. Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson, yeah, he'll get a few looks, but, um, you know, your, your big boys are the – the ones that are going to eat down there and uh you know Roethlisberger knows it and he's looking for those guys can I ask a question not on our sheet yes I'd like to hear everybody's favorite three targets in the first 12 rounds of this draft no in general oh all right um I gotta go, Austin Eckler. I've been uh, I've been on him since about November of last year, and uh, the the coaching change has done nothing to to slow my roll on that. So he's he's definitely one of my favorite targets. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson. I think we're getting him at a huge discount compared to Waller and Kelsey, and I'm not sure that uh, he's going to finish all that far behind him. And let's see. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. It's good. Um, <laughs> I kind of enjoy it, actually. Um, you know, and, and you know, I'll I'll go back to another one. You know that that we talked about before, but uh, Darrell Henderson. Uh, you know, I just you're getting them in the back end of that. Uh, you know, that 10, 11, You know, round ten, round eleven. Uh, you know, com- compare him to you know where Cam Akers is going, and I you know I just don't see the reason why there's that big of a gap between them. Uh, I think it should be a lot more like, uh, you know, maybe James Robinson and Travis Etienne. 
uh, you know, that sort of a gap rather than the giant gap that's there right now. You know, it's certainly not the same sort of thing, I don't think, as like Zeke Elliott Howard. I mean, you understand why that gap's there, but yeah, I just, I, I can't understand the gap between Henderson and uh, Akers. So for, for me, um, I'll give you a couple of high-end names, which I'd really like to uh, have rostered this year in as many leagues as possible is Tyree Hill. Um, he's finished as wide receiver two. He's finished as wide, re- wide receiver three overall. He's never had a wide receiver one overall season, and I think this is the year that we finally see it. Um, Sammy Watkins had 55 targets last year. I think that the majority of those go to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has never had, I believe it's 137, 136 is his career high in targets. I think this year he goes up to over 150, and I think we see him, you know, finally smash uh, wide receiver one um, overall. Um, A.J. Brown is another name where I'd like to have a lot of A.J. Brown. Billy talked a little bit about how Julio actually improves him. Um, we've talked for months and months about A.J. Brown. Pre-Julio trade, um, you know, he, he was going to be going right around maybe the one-two turn in, in a lot of spots. I think now you're able to get a discount. Um, I got him at a 211. I've seen him go at the, you know, the, the 301, the 302, late second. Um, I think he's a smash value there. Um, the guy was a top 12 receiver last year on 100, 100 or so targets. It was right around 100 targets. Um, you know, I think this year, even with Julio there, he's going to go up to, you know, the 135 to 140 range. Um, I'd be interested to, to hear Billy on, on how many targets he's got AJ projected for, but um, I'm very high on him. And I'll give you one more wide receiver. I talked about him, Tyler Lockett. Um, I think for me, it's, it's hard to walk away when he's in the, you know, the late fifth, early sixth. He's a smash value for me. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys um, that I'm, I'm targeting this year, and I don't mean to be so sp- uh, position-specific, but I think that's three, you know, great wide receiver values that can be foundational pieces for, you know, anybody's team build right now. I like them all. Uh, for me, I mentioned one earlier, Gabe Davis in round 12, and I've already listed why. I mean, red zone target, leading the team in touchdowns, and I think he's still the number two in this offense. Um, I was also going to say TJ Hawkinson. I, I love TJ Hawkinson. Um, and I, I think the other one for me is um, I keep going back to Miles Sanders. God, I own too much of this guy. I, it's, I just I love the upside he has. I love his ADP. I, I just it's hard for me to pass him every single time I come to round four and he's there. And, and as we see him continue to slide and slide and slide, I'm going to continue to just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate it's almost unhealthy the amount of of shares that i have of miles sanders um i I should probably start passing just to diversify but um i just love what you know he's able to do and where he's going and i just i it's hard for me to pass on um in terms of um updated target share for um you asked about A.J. Brown and my projections. Yeah. Pri- prior to the Julio news, I had him at 25% target share with 130, 130-ish targets. Um, I have him more in that like 110 range now. I, I ate more into the um, the Josh Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick share than, than his. But um, I still think he finishes in that 110 to 115 range. 
So a, a, a bit of a dip, but not significant. Yeah. Right. JD, who you got? Who's your Who's your guys? You guys know I love Gibby. I got is my most owned player probably right now is Gibby. Dobbins is is becoming one. He's a guy I didn't even like, you know, circa a year ago. But just again, the value is dropping at Michael Thomas for me is probably the most undervalued receiver right now in any draft that I enter. The fact that he's still available when I see him, it just blows my mind, especially when you see guys going ahead of him. We talked about Lockett. Bateman is a guy that really has my interest, A, where he's going, and just what he can become in that offense maybe quicker than a lot of the other receivers that we're liking um, when we're talking rookies. So, again, just when you're looking at he's going like in the double digits, 12th, 13th round, I really like Bateman. Irv Smith, I mean, Dan, we own him in pretty much every roster that we have. If not, we've traded him because someone else liked him more, but – um, Irv Smith, just like in this draft in the tenth round, tight end premium. I'll take him ahead of Janu. I'll take him ahead of you know uh, Trotman, Tanyan, Henry. It, it, I, I just I feel the upside that you're getting, especially now that Rudolph is gone, and and them not adding much there is is pretty legit. I had Judy written down, but I feel I'm looking at where he's going. He's moved up a lot. Like he's a lot closer to Sutton now. I think he was a lot more value earlier. Uh, in the offseason, as was that Denver offense, you know, now with whispers of Rodgers maybe going there, the ADPs have have kind of gone up a little bit. All right, guys, one we question. are. Go ahead. Go ahead. Theo. I, I just had one question for, for Billy, and it's a question that I asked uh, Wayne McFarlane. Um, last year, Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allen presented so much value as incredibly high target guys went in the, you know, the fifth, sixth round. Um, a lot of those guys won league. Uh, they won leagues for a lot of people. Um, is there a player, a wide receiver that might be under the radar that's going to get a, a tremendous target share or target total that you're seeing that maybe the um, the community has not corrected itself on yet? Hold on, yeah, hold I mean, on. Before, before you do that, Billy. Whoever yeah. hasn't done it yet, smash the like button because Billy's not going <laughs> to give it unless you do it. Guys, come on. Go ahead, Billy. I got, I got my pen and paper. I just wanted to grab my pen. That's all. And it, it might I, be no one. Maybe the market corrected itself. But if there's a guy oh, no, he's, seeing. Billy's got somebody. Come on. Team. No, I, I had him in my head right when you said it. I mentioned him earlier. He was going in around nine in, in March and April. He's going in around six now. It's Odell Beckham Jr., um, I have him projected at 22% target share, 136 targets, 86 receptions, seven touchdowns, 1,129 yards, averaging 17 fantasy points a game. Um, assuming he is you know, fully healthy and he's back in week one with no hiccups. Um, I, I've actually placed multiple bets on the Browns winning the division. I've placed multiple bets on the Browns as dark horses to the Super Bowl. I've also placed um, a bet on black uh, dark horse baker for mvp um i said it earlier i'll say it again i'm a firm believer in um when a quarterback outperforms their adp the rest of the the supporting cast does as well um we've already seen what nick chubb has done and he's capable of doing it even when the rest of the team is not at that level um kareem hunt as well um i think that it, baker takes that next step forward we saw a five touchdown game from him last year uh i think this team is much improved they have another um, another another year under the belt with with their new coach, and I think that um, Odell coming back healthy with Jarvis Laundry, Higgins, and the rest of the staff there, I really see Odell and him clicking this year and uh, having wide receiver one upside every single week. 
I think it's a great answer. Thank you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm a numbers it, guy. It's a not so obvious guy, and, and that's what I like about it. You know, you don't you don't hear that name everywhere, and he's at a reasonable price, whether it's Dynasty or where he's being drafted in these redrafts right now. Yeah, I mean, like we just in comparison, like you look at like Calvin Ridley. I mean, who uh, now I have projected as as my wide receiver one for the year at 159 targets after after um, Julio was traded. But Dan might need next after that. <laughs> but 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 to see like that type of like target share at like 26, 27 percent. I mean, even you look at Allen Robinson at 25 percent. Those wide receivers are going in around two, round three to be able to say, hey, I'm going to take 20 less targets a year and get a wide receiver in round six to round seven. To me is a smash play every single time it hits it hits me on that turn. Yeah, I picked up, uh, you know, just to, to throw a little dynasty back in there. Uh, on in the first week of uh, May, you know, and it was starting to be, you know, we we're starting to hear a little bit of more rumors percolating about uh, Julio Jones getting traded. You know, it was starting, you know, nobody was saying it was going to happen, but it was just, you know, you could start putting together the pieces and see, uh, you know, that this this might actually happen. So I took a chance. I took uh, I, I made a trade. Um, I think it was I, I traded off uh, Calvin Ridley and or excuse me, I traded off, uh, I got Kelvin Ridley and Gerald Everett, and I traded off the 111, the 112, and I think it was Hunter Henry uh, to make that deal. You know, free it was money. Like, free <laughs> money. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, it was just one of those things where I, I just, you know, I said I got to make this move. Uh, same league, I, I just, smet, you know, just snap traded the 101 for Antonio Gibson. Uh, again, just because I felt like, you know, my one-on-one here is probably going to be Najee Harris. Gibson's younger than him. He's probably better, probably on a better offense. Uh, you know, so I was just like, you know what? If I could, if I can get uh, Gibson out of the one-on-one, I'll take it. And people underestimate the amount of um, catches that Gibson actually had last year. I mean, right. Gibson, off the top of my head, I think it was like 46 or 47. Don't quote me. It's around there. But I, And that was with J.D. McKissick with all the all the care, touches that he had in the passing game. Uh, if that's more balanced out this year, I think that, you know, Antonio yeah. Gibson is a sneaky is a sneaky PPR play. Yeah. Well, McKissick was I, I, I left him for J.D., by the way, on your ah, – <laughs> I, I knew J.D. was going to want to use him. Oh, so. yeah. I, I need to – I might have to st- – I've, I've been actually looking at, like, maybe uh diversifying and trading some some gibbies away just because i've you know 40 percent is a little much for me in, in ffpc anyways <laughs> not where we call and you can't do it sorry <laughs> i know <laughs> those are the last ones i look at because i know i gotta go by dan and there's certain players i know dan ain't gonna okay you know so no, i'm like no, i'm not no, even looking here that one's not going off the not going off the roster. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Kyle in our money league. I I know we want AGB, but I know you you love you some Kyle Pitts, and that's that might be our only share. That's my only share. I know, but I don't know about you. Right. I, I, I've got a I've got one other share. Um, but yeah, I'm, well, a couple other shares, I guess. I don't know. You gotta have oh, some shares. Yeah. You, you gotta got have some shares. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. That's why I'm like, you know what? You gotta have a couple of shares. Dan wants a whole pitch. That's my only share. I'm fine with it. Billy, man, <laughs> this this has been a blast. And uh, like, congrats the background guys. Just just to just to put this in perspective, 
that background with like the the locker room action with the 49ers that's an oh, actual man. closet like I, that is legit man so <laughs> at ff muzio he, he's got some tweets about it he tweets money on the daily when it talks fantasy and like i said guys you can go even on our on our youtube and you can sign up to their uh fantasy data uh youtube channel so billy honor to have you man we appreciate all the goodness you gave us anything you want to share anytime you want to come back you will tell dan to just work that night or anything it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> i i just want to say thank you guys for having me thanks for reaching out theo um it was an honor to be on here i've been listening since i pretty much started playing on ffpc uh and um i i, I was really excited when you guys asked me to come on um, I also really um, want to, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting us at fantasy data and for uh, liking our channel and, and highlighting it on your guys's channel. I, I know that's a lot. And I, I really thank you guys. Um, and um, I think that's, that's pretty much it boys. I, I just, I was really excited to be here tonight. It was a blast, man. You, uh, like I said, we, we respect your game. We, we respect what you, obviously the guys they didn't even invite me to the draft. I was like some, some, you know, fill in co-host <laughs> guy that just, but, uh, no, man, you're, we respect your game. We respect the material you guys are putting out there at fantasy data. That's why we have it on, on our site. Like I said, we don't have, it's like our sponsors. Like we don't have sponsors cause we're making a bunch of cash off of it. We're literally, <laughs> these are things that we use and that's what we do. And we just want you guys to, to go out there and, and use it so you can become better. And that's basically it. The FFPC I've had success. Dan's had success. Theo's had success. You've had success, Billy. Um, and, and that's why we talk about it on the reg. Dynasty Depot, if you're not already on in Dynasty Leagues on, on the FFPC, you can actually buy orphans on there. Uh, some are even cheaper than the actual buy into the league. Uh, some are a bit more because of their potential. And then you can you can draft teams and flip them yourself. So if you own rosters, Dynasty rosters, you can go on there. I know Theo has you know some good experience on there that he can share uh, when he closes this out. But uh, actually, you know, I'll go to you right now, Theo. Anything you want to add on the Dynasty Depot, our friends over there, Nelson, and anything you want to add about this draft being a, a first timer with the hard way? No, I mean, like I said, it was an RB involved with um, a number of guys I, I have a great deal of respect for. Um, and I think it really sharpens you. It felt like a late August high stakes draft um, in June. So it was, it, it, <laughs> it, it really revved rev the engines and it makes yep. you want to keep drafting as well. So yeah, tonight was awesome. Um, Hopefully you guys have ever our listeners have listened to the last three shows at um, three of the sharper minds um, in in fantasy um, over the last, you know, eight days. Um, and, you know, next week we we have uh, Billy Wazowski, uh, NFFC Hall of Famer. So, um, you know, I think we're really bringing um, people with skin in the game and a lot of talent bringing uh, building teams. Um, and I think it's been it's been great tonight um, with Billy. And uh, yeah, it's uh. I mean, I love doing that draft, and I can't wait till next year. And I hope my team uh, wins the league. I can talk trash before it. Um, and I, uh, I know you guys are thinking the exact thing, same thing. I am. Yep. Yeah, there's no way you're going to win this deal. We're winning. This. <laughs> I was waiting for it's going to be a tough waiver wire. It's going to be very. I, I just want to once again sure. highlight the fact that uh, Santa's spreadsheet said that the the three people <laughs> in this room who drafted uh, in this draft were the top three drafters so you know yeah i mean first second third i i think dan and i would both agree first was wrong but yeah um, yes definitely the 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 replacement between the two of us is debatable 
Yep. There you go. Exactly there you go. I, I'll take I'll take uh, I'll take Mike Frank all day long as the uh, the top ranking in the league right now on paper. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, oh man. That's yeah, awesome. I, <laughs> well, Theo kept sniping me too, and I was just like. It, it, it was it was getting a little frustrating at times, but you know, <laughs> it's all right. It was like every time it came around to the even rounds, I was like, "Okay, who's Theo going to take that's going to piss me off?" <laughs> that's awesome. You know, when you're in the goat district, you you absorb all this uh, all this knowledge, and it, it just becomes part of your draft strategy, Dan. So yeah, right, exactly. Okay. See, Theo's catching on to the trick, right, Dan? That's yeah, that's exactly. there you go. Yes. Get, get goats doing goat things. things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And guys, that that's why you th- tune in on the weekly, man. Like you know, and even twice, twice a week. Sometimes, like we did last week. Uh, guys, I'm not joking. Like Theo is on a mission to bring every shark, every whale out of the ocean into the district. Just slamming is- that on the table. You know, it's and turning I, into shark month is what it's turning yeah. into. It's pretty I mean, much, and, and it, it might just be a shark off season. It, we might just change <laughs> from goats. We might transform from goats to sharks. I mean, who knows? That's that's just that's what's going on the here. Shark district. It's the shark district. The shark, the shark district. <laughs> there you go. I'll, we'll have to talk to our uh, our branding manager or whatever that yeah, is. But, uh, no, no, I'm, even better. All you got to do is add a fin right yes. between the horns. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll, <laughs> talk, to buddy, we'll talk to Mark over at Viridian to uh, hook us yes. up. But guys, uh, <laughs> guys, this was a blast. Uh, you know, tune in, guys. If you haven't seen the last two shows of the GOAT District, I mean, if you haven't tuned in this offseason, you got to go back. But it, the last two shows with tonight, three shows, Shark Week, that's how we do it here in the district. You're getting information, insight from high-stakes players that have won high-stakes money that have done it, and they're telling you how they're doing it. You're not finding that anywhere else. Guys, we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Check out myffpc.com to play all the goodness we're talking about on this show. Any fantasy football format is on there. Check out Dynasty Depot, trade, sell, and buy Dynasty rosters from the FFPC. Viridian Global, guys. You see it right here, the shirt. I've got it right here, the goods, the hat, the goat gear. Tons of gear on there, guys. Your favorite fantasy podcast is on there. If your favorite player, you want a CH or a, a, or a Jamar, or Jamar Chase shirt, a Gibby shirt, they have the best fantasy, fantasy football shirts. You're in the, the fishbowl, go grab yourself a fishbowl shirt. They've got every kind of fantasy football goods gear that you can find on there. Uh, go check it out, viridianglobal.com. Guys, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the likes, the subscribes, the follows. And keep bringing the feedback, guys. We love the feedback. Comments, you know, below. Comment on Twitter. You want trades analyzed. You have questions for us. Make sure you find us. I'm at Goat District. Overhype Sleeper. No E on the end. At the OG Fantasy. Our guest tonight, the must follow. The at FF Muzio. Guys, be safe. Have fun. And we'll check you all. Later. Just
district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. Trade's not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's a... And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be trading Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish, fish, fish.